0: Valley Creek Church. We are so glad that you are here with us today. Come on, whatever campus you're at, Denton, Flower Mound, Louisville, the venue, watching online somewhere in the world. Come on, let's just give it up for each other today. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Come on, let's give it up for each other, wherever you're at. We are so glad that you are here with us. We are a movement of hope for the city and beyond, and we believe that hope is here because Jesus is here. And I hope that you and your family have been having a great summer. Thank you for allowing me and my family to have the past few weeks off to just kind of take a breath and rest and reflect. And if you've been with us, you know that every summer we take a few weeks off because we want to do this a long time together. And so sometimes it's about doing it in a sustainable way. And so the summer allows me to take a breath, to reflect on what God has been doing, to seek God for what he wants to keep doing in the days to come. And so thank you for allowing our family to do that. And what an amazing summer it's been here at the Valley Creek family. Like I think our teaching team to start did an outstanding job pointing us to Jesus to help us take ground in our relationships. Our kids' summer was amazing, helping our kids have fun and discover more of Jesus. We had probably the best hub camp that we've ever had. We had our first ever young adults retreat. And there's all kinds of other amazing things that happened throughout the summer. But what I'm so grateful to you for is that you gave more than 3,000 pairs of shoes because the city asked for them. And we said, we're the church of Jesus. So when the city asks, the church responds. And so I want to say to you, well done, Valley Creek. See, we are a family on mission. We are a family, beloved sons and daughters on mission to go and get the father's lost children and help bring them home. We are not a church that is interested in entertainment or consumerism or just information. We are a movement of hope for the city and beyond. So I just want to say thank you. To every person that participated, gave, served, invited somebody, raised their faith this summer, bringing a single pair of shoes. If you engaged in any way this summer, thank you for being the church that Jesus dreams of. Thank you for realizing that it is so much bigger than us and it is the great privilege on our lives to bring the hope of Jesus to a lost and dying and broken world. That's who we are and that's what we get to do. So well done. It's been a good summer. And I don't know about you, but I don't really know that I want the summer to end. Anybody else feeling like that today? Like, like I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready for the fall. Like, I like the summer. And I bet you do too, because the summer is full of rest and relationships. It's when there's this peace and we feel present in our lives and connected to one another and the world around us. It's amazing how much we love the things of summer, and I was thinking about it this summer, I was thinking, why do we like the summer so much? And I had this realization, I thought, you know what, the summer is a picture of the kingdom of God. That's why we love it. If you think about all the things you love about the summer, rest and relationships and being present and connected and barbecues and maybe long walks and cool breezes and swimming in a pool and all that stuff, if you really think about it, All of that is, it's a reflection of the kingdom of God. In fact, if you hear the term, the kingdom of God, you're always confused. Like, what is it? Just think about summer. Summer is a great example of the vibrancy and the life and the rest. In fact, Romans 14 tells us, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. That sounds like the summer, doesn't it? Things are right. There's a whole bunch of peace and we're full of joy. Everything you love about the summer is a reflection of the kingdom of God. Everything your heart craves about summer life and summer living is what is offered to us through Jesus in the kingdom of God. That's why we love the summer and then the fall shows up and it hits you like a train. Yes. All of a sudden fall shows up is back to school. It's back to work, it's practices, it's events, it's gatherings, it's things you got to do and responsibilities and trips and travel and this and that and the other thing. And let's like someone took that dial on your treadmill and they turned it to max and they took that incline button and went beep, 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 beep and maxed it out. And all of a sudden you're like Gasp, gasp, trying to get through your own life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It comes out of nowhere. And so does the anxiety And the stress and the worry and the depression and the doubt and the fear. And all of a sudden our life is so fast we don't even feel like we can keep up with it. And what I've discovered along the way in the journey is if the devil can't stop you, he'll get behind and push you so you go even faster. So all of a sudden, we can't even keep up with ourselves. And so I have a confession for some of you. If you've been with us for years, I've not really understood why when it's back to school, everyone in our city goes like crazy, like totally out of sorts, overwhelmed. I've just never really understood that until this year. And I now officially have a middle schooler. So I'm officially confessing, repenting and apologizing for any of you that have made, I have made you feel like it's really not that big of a deal because the amount of activities and practices and events and forms and orientations, oh my goodness. Dear Lord, before we get lost, let's start a new series today called Unhurried How to Have a Summer Life in the Midst of a Fall Calendar. Before it gets crazy, because you can feel it coming, what would it look like if we could live an unhurried life, if we could have the realities? of summer in the midst of fall, if we could have a kingdom life in the midst of a busy, stressed out, crazy and chaotic world, what would that look like for you and me? See, if we are the people of the kingdom, then we shouldn't live like everyone else around us. Our lives should look dramatically different regardless of the circumstances or the situations of the world. And I would submit to you, it is impossible to live a kingdom life If you're always in a hurry. And so we have to think about this different. And I know some of you, the moment I say this, your, your, your doubt level goes through the roof. Like you're full of unbelief. You're like, bro, I've tried it for you. It ain't possible. Okay. It's gotta be possible though. This is why Matthew four tells us, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your mind because righteousness, peace, and joy is at hand. At hand means within reach. At hand means there is always righteousness, peace, and joy within your reach. You just have to have the faith to reach out and take a hold of that summer life in the midst of a fall calendar. You see, what I figured out about myself this summer is I like the summer me a whole lot better than the fall me. I like the summer me a whole lot better. My kids like the summer me better. My wife likes the summer me better. My friends like the summer. I think you would like the summer me better. I'm just convinced that I like the summer me better. Why? Because I'm more patient and I'm kinder and I'm more present and I'm not as stressed out and I'm not as busy and I'm not as hurried. And then it's amazing how the fall shows up. But here's what we think. We think it's all of those activities and events and the things we gotta do and the places we gotta go. We think they're the cause of the stress and the worry and the anxiety we feel. The truth is they just reveal the brokenness that's already inside of us. And so when those things reveal what's broken inside of us, Jesus wants to come around and he wants to heal us and he wants to set us free. Like check out these verses. Do you ever feel like this? This is Ecclesiastes. So I hated life. That's in the Bible. (laughs) So I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it was meaningless, The chasing after the wind. Do you ever feel like that in the midst of your life? Like you're chasing the wind and you can't catch your breath and that treadmill is flying. Or how about the next one? It says you are slaves to whom you obey. Do you ever feel like you're a slave to your calendar? Like it calls the shots, it rules the roost. Instead of living your life, your life is living you. Or how about one more? This famous verse, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, isn't it interesting that we trust Jesus for eternal life, even though we feel like we're perishing today? I'm just saying any gospel that offers eternal life someday, but allows me to live in a constant state of perishing, stress. Worry, doubt, discouragement, depression, chaos, confusion is not the right gospel. He doesn't give us eternal life someday. He gives us abundant life today. You see, maybe the most interesting thing about Jesus, if you really read through the gospels, is that he was never in a hurry. If you read the gospels, you'll be shocked. Like Jesus was never busy and he was never in a hurry. I'm just saying, if I've got three years to save the world... I'm going to be in a hurry and you're not going to want to be around me. But he was never in a hurry. And so if he wasn't in a hurry, why are we? If Jesus came to show us what a life, a fully human, fully alive life looked like, and he wasn't in a hurry, then why are we? See, look what he invites us to, Matthew 11. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Maybe you don't feel like this today, but probably by September, you're going to start to feel that. Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest, how to live a summer life. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Come on, that's a great invitation from Jesus. He says, come on. He says, hey, I'm going to show you how to live a summer life. And I love, he says, I'm inviting you to unforced rhythms of grace instead of the forced routine of stress. In other words, Jesus offers us a better way. And so in our season of pioneering, that's our theme together as a church this year, for some of us, the greatest ground we could take is learning how to live an unhurried life this year. And I was thinking about Galatians chapter five that says, if we live in the spirit, let us also, come on, walk in the spirit. It doesn't say run, hurry, or rush, which means if I am always running, hurried, or rushed, I have to ask myself, Am I actually walking in the spirit? Because he says walk, not rush, not hurry or run. So let me give you four really quick practical thoughts on how we can set ourselves up to have a great fall with a summer spirit. And in some sense, I'm just preaching to myself today. Is that okay? Because I need this message as much as you do, because I don't want to get back on the crazy train. I want to stay off of it. Anybody else? Okay, so a couple thoughts for you. This is really to prepare your heart for a great fall. First thing is this, just seek God first. Come on, easier said than done, isn't it? Sounds really good. We kind of know in our heart, that's the solution to all things, but it's amazing as life gets busier and faster, how all of a sudden God starts to drop down on our priority list and everything else starts to rise up because there's so much stuff going on. Like, have you ever heard of the story of Mary and Martha? Two sisters and Jesus goes to their house one day for a meal and Mary sits at Jesus' feet and she just listens to everything he has to say. He's teaching and he's talking and she's just soaking up all of the grace of Jesus. And her sister Martha is scurrying around the house trying to prepare the meal, get everything ready. And the longer it goes by, the more stressed out she's getting, the more she hurries, the more angry she's becoming, the more frustrated and anxious and overwhelmed. And look at how Jesus interacts with her. It says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to him, Mary sitting at Jesus's feet, and she's running around. She's living the hurried life. And she asked him, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Pause. She is so hurried. She's got so much anxiety and stress and anger in her spirit that she unleashes it on Jesus. Can I just tell you something? When we get into the hurried life, eventually the people around us, they will bear the brunt of the dysfunction that we're living. You will always take it out on somebody. The question is, is who do you take it out on? Do you take it out on your kids, on your spouse, on your friends, on your coworkers, on your teammates? I don't know. But you take it out on somebody. And so she takes it out on Jesus, lets him have it. And Jesus just looks right back at her and says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. In other words, in the midst of all of her hurry and all of her worry and all of the rush and all of the chaos and all the things that have to happen, it's interesting. Jesus doesn't address the sandwiches that need to be made, the house that needs to be cleaned, the tea that needs to be poured. He doesn't even address it. He just looks at her and he says, Martha, you're stressed out. You're overwhelmed and anxious. But you know what, Martha? Only one thing is needed. And if you make me your one thing, I will help you take care of the many things. But let's be real clear on this, Martha. I am not one of your many things. I am the one thing. And when you make me the one thing, I will give you the grace for the many things. You see, you see, when Jesus is your one thing, what actually happens is he fills your life with grace that empowers you to then go out and live your life. If you will actually make God your one thing and seek him, he then empowers you by his grace to go out and live your life. Where we get so confused is we think if I make God my one thing, he's going to take away everything else. No, he says, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. If you will sit at my feet, if you will receive my grace, my grace will supply and empower all that you need to go and be that teacher, to go and be that coach, to go and be that athlete, to go and be that student, to raise your family, to build your company, to to travel the jobs you got to do, all the things you got to do. He says, if you just make me the one thing, my grace will empower you for the many things. And I love that he says, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. In other words, when Jesus is your one thing, nothing has the authority to take away the peace from your life. No amount of pressure, burden, worry. There is no fall calendar that can take your summer peace when Jesus is your one thing. And I would submit this to you. Your life is too busy. You've got too many, many things to not let Jesus be your one thing. Your life is full of so many good, many things that you need Jesus to be your one thing so he can give you the grace to go out and be all of the things that you need to be everywhere else. See, what I think is so cool about this passage that no one ever really talks about, I think what we think when we preach it is that Martha should have just sat at Mary's feet and then when it was done, Jesus would have snapped his fingers and everything would have been done. No! No! she would have received the grace of Jesus and then she would have been empowered to get up and serve and make the sandwiches and pour the tea, but doing it with a spirit of righteousness, peace, and joy instead of one of anxiety and depression and fear. If he's your one thing, he'll give you the grace for the many things. That's why Matthew 6 It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Come on, God wants to fill your life with many things this year. But he wants to be your one thing first and he'll give you the grace. You with me on that? Second thing is simply this. Worship when you start to worry. Come on, let's be honest. As the fall shows up and things get fast, our default button is worry. We start getting all stressed out. What about this? And what about that? And how will we this? And I'm not sure about that. And how are we going to? And I don't know. It's amazing how worry is natural. Worship takes intentionality. Isn't it true? Like worry, is just natural. Your life gets fast. It gets busy. It gets overwhelming. We instantly start to worry. We take our affection, our attention and our focus and we put it on the unknown of the future. But it takes a whole lot of intentionality to take our worship, our, atten- or our attention, our, our focus, and the, the affection of our heart and turn it towards Jesus. And what's crazy is worry actually speeds up your life. When you already feel like the treadmill is going so fast you can't keep up, worrying makes it even faster because you're taking all the worries and cares of tomorrow and you're bringing them into the midst of today. So it makes it go even faster. And so worry steals your present and it makes you afraid of the future. But worship slows everything down. This is why Jesus has to say to us. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not the body or is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? In other words, he says, has worry ever done anything for you? Has it ever helped you out, changed the future, made your life better, got you that deal, helped you get that touchdown, helped you do good at school? Come on, man. It's never done nothing. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Very rarely do you ever see Jesus saying the same thing twice. And he says, do not worry twice because he's trying to help us get it. He says, come on. He says, look at the lilies of the field or the birds of the air. If your father takes care of them, how much more will he take care of you and your life and your future? In fact, what you have to understand is the human spirit was not created to worry that's why it causes so much damage in our lives it's like Jesus is saying to us he's saying hey I didn't create you to live in regret of your past or worry about your future said I've created you to live in freedom from your past with hope for the future fully present and alive now today in this moment and what you have to understand is that you can worry or you can worship but you can't do both You can worry or you can worship, but you can't do both. Why? Because they're basically the same thing, which means if you know how to worry, you're an awesome worshiper already. You just don't know it. Like, come on, think about it. If you know how to worry, if you know how to take your attention, your affection and your focus and turn it on the unknown of the future. What about this? And how will we that? And how about the kids? And I'm not sure. And are we going to be able to pay the bills? And what is it going to look like? And is God going to heal this? And I don't know about that. Okay, if you know how to do that, then guess what? You're a killer worshiper already. You just don't know it. You're just worshiping the wrong thing. Because worship is simply this. I don't know what's happening, but I know this. God is good. God is kind to me. God will be faithful tomorrow because he is faithful today and he's been faithful yesterday. It's taking your attention and your focus and your affection and shifting it. Come on, think about it. Worship or worry is simply the worship of the unknown. That's all it is. Worry is worshiping the unknown of the future. And when you worry and you start thinking about all the what ifs and you lift worry up over your life, you know what starts coming down on your life? When worry is what you lift up, fear and doubt and anxiety, and depression, and stress, and chaos, and darkness, and brokenness, it rains down on your life. But when you lift up the name of Jesus, you know what starts to rain down on your life? Righteousness, peace, and joy, faith, hope, and love. All the things you love about the summer life start to rain down on the midst of all the situations and circumstances because you have chosen to lift up the name of Jesus. You see, let me try to illustrate it for you like this. I think sometimes we come into this place, we come into our life, and we've got so many worries, and we're holding them, because the reason we're worried is we think we're in control, and so I'm holding on to all this stuff, and I'm worried, and it's like, like real things, like I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about school and my job, and are we going to be able to pay the bills, and will I ever get married and, and, and will we ever be healed and are we ever going to break out of this brokenness and are things ever going to change and, and what about this addiction and this anxiety and, and I don't know how we're going to deal with it. I mean, all of a sudden it gets so wrong. We're carrying all of this stuff and God says, hey, I'm inviting you to worship me. We're like, God, I, I can't. I got all this stuff that I'm holding on to, all the worries and cares of tomorrow. I brought them into today and I'm I'm holding on to them and they're heavy. And he says, I know, but I want you to worship me. And so to worship him, what that means is we have to let them go and lift up our hands and surrender. What we have to do is take the worries and cares and lay them at the feet of Jesus and lift up our hands. Because all of a sudden when your hands are raised, you can't hold on to the worries because you're now lifting up the name of Jesus. In fact, right now at all of our campuses, can you just do this with me for a second? Can you just like, lift up your hands? Okay. Now take a breath. Isn't it amazing how you can't hold on to the worries and cares of tomorrow when you're lifting up your hands and surrender towards Jesus? Isn't it amazing how when they fall to the ground and they're at his feet and you're lifting up the name of Jesus, now all those things are submitted and surrendered to Jesus because at the name of Jesus, all things will bow. And when you let them go and you lift up your hands and you lift up the name of Jesus over your life, guess what? Anxiety and depression and fear and stress and anxiety and all being overwhelmed and hurried and all the chaos of life. It now is submitted and surrendered to the feet of Jesus and it must bow to the name name of Jesus and his life starts raining down upon us. This is worship. This is worry. And one is rooted in unbelief and one is rooted in faith. This is, I don't believe God is good to me and I got to take care of my own life. This is God. I can't see it right now, but I know That you are good. So I'm lifting up your name so your life might rain down. And sometimes you walk into this place and you don't have the faith to lift up your hands. And you know what I say to you? I am so glad that you're here because there are people around you that have the faith to lift up the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden his life, his righteousness, peace, and joy starts raining in this place and it will get on you. And eventually you'll be like, I'm done with this. I gotta go to this because this is the only way I can live. Okay. Hear me. Your life is too big to not worship. It matters too much to spend your life worrying, which translates right into the next. The the third thing is simply this honor the Sabbath. Okay. Honor the Sabbath. Now I know this is an interesting one. We're not really sure what to do with this. The Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth commandment. We get a lot of the other ones. We're like, yeah, don't lie. That's a good idea. You know, don't kill anybody. The genius. Shouldn't do that. You know, don't steal. Don't commit adultery. All those ones, we're like, yeah, that makes sense. And then we're like, honor the Sabbath. Don't know what that means. So we kind of push it to the side and we let it go. But it's one of the Ten Commandments. You say, well, what is the point of it? Well, the Sabbath was every six days, God invites his people to take a day of rest to simply stop all of their work and rest in him. And if you have grown up with the concept of the Sabbath, you probably grew up with this really legalistic view, would be my guess. When we've talked about the Sabbath in the past, the church has made it all about the things you can't do, a list of do's and don'ts. So the church has now kind of swung the pendulum way over here, and we think, no, no, the Sabbath just means it's just a day of rest. I can do whatever I want. I can go hunting. I can go fishing. I can go shopping. I can watch football, all that stuff. Okay. Neither of those are accurate. The whole point of a Sabbath is not a day of rest. It's resting in God's presence. It's not I need a day off. It's I need to rest in God's presence. Because if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then there is no rest apart from him. So a day off isn't going to do much for you. And God doesn't care if you want to watch football or go hunting or do that stuff. He's all for that. He just wants you to have some time resting in his presence, which for us in modern day Christianity looks like this, the gathering of the people. In fact, the Sabbath is God's gift to you so you won't live the bondage of a hurried life. It's really what it is. It's a gift God's given you to keep you free From the bondage of a hurried life. And like any other commands, when we rebel against it or we reject it, it not only hurts us, it hurts everyone in our life. You see, if you've ever read the Ten Commandments, do you know how it starts? The whole Ten Commandments starts, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. He says, hey, I am the God that's changed your life. And the reason I want you to remember the Sabbath is so that you can remember who I am and what I've done. That I'm the God of grace that rescued you from the realm of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of life. And I never want you to forget that. I don't want you to live like the world seven days a week running 100 miles an hour. I'm going to put in breakpoints every six days so the treadmill can never get fast enough to overwhelm you. Because if you'll stop, come into my presence. Gather with my people. Hear my word. Even if just for an hour, I will keep you grounded and you will have the right perspective about who I am. I am who you are and what your life is really all about this what we're doing right now is part of how we live the unhurried life and it takes faith to believe that God can do more in six days than I can do in seven so the question is is God worth an hour a week is it worth saying God I, I'm I'm going to seek your presence one hour a week as a regular checkpoint in my life to remember that you're the God who brought me out of darkness. In fact, Hebrews 10 says this. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. It's amazing. Let me just try to walk you through this for a second. It's amazing how quickly we get in the habit of not meeting together as the people of God. We skip one for whatever reason, and then it turns to two, and it turns to four, and it turns to eight, and eight turns in. We show up for Easter and Christmas, but not last Christmas because we were visiting grandma. And that becomes normal. And we're exhausted. And we don't understand why we're exhausted, and we don't understand why our life doesn't look any different than the world around us. Well, because we are not honoring what God says. He said, "I want to meet with you." Yeah. See, the whole point of all of this, what the Sabbath gathering is people, you know what this really does? It's like a giant reset button on your life every 6 days. It resets your perspective and it expands your capacity. When you get in the presence of God, it resets your perspective. All of the chaos and the confusion and the busyness and the hurry, it takes your eyes off of that and puts them back on Jesus. And then it expands your capacity. Why? Because God gives you grace for the assignments in your life. Our problem is we shut ourselves off for that grace and try to go and do it ourselves. Like think of Moses. He's got to lead two million people. That's why he is always going back in the presence of God because it's resetting his perspective and expanding his capacity. How about Joshua? He's just an assistant, but in the presence of God, he becomes the leader of the Israelites to take the promised land. David, it's in the presence of God. He goes from a shepherd boy to a giant killer. How about Jesus? There is one place in the Bible that tells us Jesus was overwhelmed right before he goes to the cross. And you know what he does? He gets John, James, and Peter, and he says, guys, would you come away with me, and will you pray with me for one hour? He says, can we go have some church? Because my soul is overwhelmed with about what's to come, and I need to get in the presence of God with you. And they go and they seek God together. And in the end, Jesus stands up and says, not my will, but yours be done. And he walked to the cross and he fulfilled his destiny because he had the right perspective and the capacity to go do what God had created and called him to do. And the same is true for you. See, we, we just don't believe that. Like this is so freeing. If you can catch this, this is not an obligation. This is an invitation. Like some of you ready for this? you don't have to be here. <laughs> like, like, really? You're like, well, I kind of know that. But somewhere in our spirit, we actually don't know that we believe that. Like, hear me, if you don't come, God's not mad at you. He's not going to get you. He's not going to take it out on you this week. He's not going to send, like, the boogeyman to come track your life down. No, no. You're not earning anything from God by being here. Why? Because Jesus already earned everything for you. He already fulfilled all of the commandments perfectly. So there is no more expectation on us. But if you're not here, you're going to miss out on the presence of God and the life of rest that he offers you. You're going to miss out on the summer life in the midst of the busyness of fall. We've got to change our perspective. See, I I would ask you like this, like, is this sacred to you? Like what we're doing right now, is this sacred? Do do you honor this in any way? Like, does this get your first and your best or is this your leftovers? And and just hear me for a second. I know some of you, you're like, bro, lay off the condemnation. Okay, first of all, there is no condemnation here. Second of all, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts. We don't condemn. Third of all, I'm just trying to help you be free in an unhurried world or in a, a hurried world, live an unhurried life. Like imagine this. Imagine if you treated work, school, or your team the way you treat the gathering of the people of God. Every time it rained. If you're online right now. (laughs) Just saying, right? Unless you live in another city. No, but seriously, every time it rained, every time it was sunny, every time the wind blew, every time you were tired, every time you just didn't feel like it today, you didn't do that. How would that work out in your life? I think that's how we treat this, and that's why there's not a lot of righteousness, peace, and joy floating through our life in the midst of the busyness of the world. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. I get it. I don't want to be here every week. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) But you know what? I believe God can do more in my life in six days than I can do in seven And I believe that when I gather with the presence of God and the people of God and hear the word of God spoken over my life, something just happens. I can't always explain it. I don't always get it. I don't always feel it, but you know what? He's speaking about my identity. He's telling me the things he's got for me. He's encouraging me. He's changing my perspective. He's expanding my capacity. Hear me, we say we're too busy to come. You're too busy not to come. This is how God keeps you healthy. And it's not like, so what, I got to come and then sit at home and do nothing No, come, meet in the presence of God, and then live your life. It will just be such a better life when the presence of God is the centerpiece. And we realize I'm coming in to be reminded you're the God who brought me out of darkness into your marvelous light. Okay, you with me on that? Thank you for letting me push a little bit on that, because in our American culture, the problem is, is we have de-honored the Sabbath. We have treated the gathering of the people of God as commonplace. This is sacred. It really is. And when we catch it as sacred, it changes everything. Let me try to pull it all together. Give you one last one. This is real fast. Invite God into your calendar. Basically, if you look at the life of Jesus, everybody demanded something from him all the time, and yet he was never overwhelmed. You say, why? Because he let God decide what the calendar looked like. So my question for you is, as the fall starts, have you invited God into your calendar? Have you given him administrative rights? Does he get to pick and choose what you're gonna focus on and what you're gonna do and where you're gonna go, or did you just make your own decisions? Because can I tell you what happens? I think we make all of our own decisions We create our own calendar, and then all of a sudden, it's self induced chaos. We become overwhelmed and angry, and about October, we get real whiny. You know what I'm talking about? Go on Facebook in October, everyone's gonna be whining about how busy and overwhelmed they are. And sometimes you wanna say, okay, did God ask you to do that thing, or did you just decide to do it? Because you don't have time for everything, but you have time for the right things. In fact, check this out Jeremiah 29. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Okay, we love this verse. You probably have this verse on a knick-knack in your house somewhere. <laughs> Maybe it's on a pillow or a picture frame or a little mirror thing. Like you probably have this on a journal, a knick-knack in your house. The question is, do you believe this is true? I want you to actually think about this for a second. I love that it's on a knick-knack, but do you believe it? Do you believe that God knows the plans he has for you and those plans are to prosper you, plans to give you hope and a future? Do you believe that? Because if you really believe that, then why wouldn't you invite him into your calendar? Before you signed up for everything and committed to all this stuff and just took it as if you've got to do everything the world has to offer, why wouldn't you invite him in? Because when we invite him in, the future is always full of hope. But when we don't, my future is often full of worry and stress and anxiety. You with me on that? Just ask him. Let me close it with this because this kind of pulls it all together. Isaiah says this this is what God's saying Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. In other words, God offers you salvation and strength. He just offers it to us in a different way. Repentance and rest, quietness and trust. Totally different than the world. But look at the very next verse. It says, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee. We will flee on horses, therefore you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift. So see if you can catch this. God says, hey, I offer you a better way. I offer you a summer life in the midst of the fall. I offer you an unhurried life in the midst of a hurry world. But my way is a little bit different. But you said, nah, we're going to do it my way. I can do this. I got figure it figured out. I can keep pace with the world. I can do all those things. And God says, okay, you want to run? You can run. And we start running. And it's insanity because last fall we were overwhelmed. And all of a sudden we think, but I got it this fall. I got a new, I got a new calendaring solution on my phone. So I'm going to get it. I got it this time. <laughs> And we start running, and God says, okay, you're going to run, but guess what? Those things are going to be swift, and they're going to catch you. And you start running through life, and all of a sudden, those things start coming like horses behind you. Boom, 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 boom. You hear the pounding of their things. The treadmill is going faster. It's going higher. You can't keep up the worry, the anxiety, the stress, the fear, the doubt, the depression. It's chasing you down, and it's about to overwhelm you, and you're not sure what to do. You know what you do? You stop. Stop. And you turn around and you look at it all and you say, you know what? In Jesus' name, I'm done. In Jesus' name, I'm starting to seek him first. In Jesus' name, I'm done worrying about all y'all. I'm gonna start worshiping. In Jesus' name, I'm gonna start honoring the Sabbath and getting in the presence of God. And in Jesus' name, he now gets to decide what my calendar looks like. And you know what happens to all those things? They die. They fall over and die. Why? Because he offers you salvation and strength but you got to stop the rat race you got to get off the treadmill and say nope there's a better way and his name is Jesus some of you are here that's how you already feel today is your day to just literally stop it stop it all and just say God I need your help I'm not letting those things chase me down anymore my life is too important to spend my life being chased by worry stress and anxiety I don't want those horsemen chasing after me I'm, I'm done with them Some of you, you're like, actually, I'm in a really good place right now. Awesome. I'm trying to help you so that when you get to October and you start to feel it, you know what to do with it. We get to October and we think, my life, it's just, I can't. You are a big person. You have the authority to stop in Jesus' name and say, I now know what to do when it gets overwhelming. Because I bet you if it's that overwhelming, stop and ask yourself one of those four things. Am I seeking God first? Am I worshiping? Am I honoring the Sabbath? And have I invited him in my calendar? One of those is probably going to be glaringly off. And that's where you can stop and say, now God, come and help me. See, here's what's really cool. What comes after summer, the season? Fall. Fall. And what do we do in the fall? We harvest fruit. So if you will live a summer life, what God is telling you, is that your life will be full of fruit that the world will get to harvest. And when they eat of it, they will taste and see that God is good. One of the greatest ways you can live as a hope carrier in our city is just to refuse to live a hurried life. Because when everyone else is on their treadmill and they can't keep up and you're on the lazy river, they're going to look at you and they're going to be like, what is up? You're going to be like, let me tell you about Jesus. I have so much grace in my life that I'm doing more than I've ever been able to do in the past and I'm doing it with a joy, with a peace because when God's grace flows into my life, he empowers me for the assignments he has. I can raise my kids, I can go to school, I can be a great worker, I can be on mission with God, I can be a part of the people of God, I can do all the dreams and the destiny that God has put in my heart because it's his grace that is empowering me for it. I make him my one thing. He gives me the grace for the many things. All right? Close your eyes with me. Jesus, thank you that you are the God who offers us a different way, that you offer us a better path, that in a hurried world you offer us an unhurried life. Thank you for the kingdom of God and the gift of summer and what it teaches us about who you are and what you offer us. So, Lord, right now we choose you. We choose you. In the midst of the busy and the chaos and the confusion and the stress, they're real things. Don't hear me today act like the school and the work and the job and the sports, that they're not real. They're real things. But God gives us a way to work through them that we would live in the freedom of Jesus. So Lord, may today be a day where we have an anchor in the ground to say, I want to learn to live the unhurried life. Thank you for your spirit that's going to guide me through it this fall. We love you, Jesus, and the rest that you offer us. In your name we pray. Amen.